And the church said? Amen. Amen. I was going to have you stand up again if you'd like, but <laughs> I was going to bring a chair up here sometime and sit down and make all of you stand up. God is good, amen? amen. It is great to see you today. A pastor, a pastor and his wife and his family were uh, going to be visiting their grandparents, the grandparents, for a holiday. The little daughter in the back seat inevitably asked the question, are we almost there? To which the pastor, simply the father, said, no, sweetheart, we're not there. We're still about 150 miles away. Well, how, how long is that, she said. How long will that take? He said, sweetheart, that's going to take about, about three more hours. She didn't say anything for a few minutes, and then she leaned up in the seat, and she looked at mom, and she says, mom, is that as long as one of daddy's sermons? Whatever. Well, it's not going to be one of those three-hour sermons, so um, we're here for just another hour and a half, but we can make it through, I'm sure. Sometimes on our journey together, I think what it is that we need to do is we need to pause. We need to pause and just get out of the car and stretch a little bit. It's not to go into, if you will, on a trip like we do on a trip. It's not to go in and get another RC cola and a moon pie. It's not to go in and get another Snickers bar or a five-hour energy drink. It's just to get out, stretch ourselves, and simply say and declare how good God is. Just to say, let's pause for a moment and just say how good God is. God is so good. God is so good to me. Sing with me. God is so good, God is so good, God is so good, oh, He's so good to me. I love Him so, I love Him so, oh, I love Him so, and I love Him so, oh, He's so good to me. Father God, thank you. Thank you. As we pause just to say thank you again for how good you are, how good you've been to us, and how good we know that you will continue to be to us. How truly blessed we are, Father, to be in your kingdom. Help us. Help us in our spirits and our lives as we live these lives out here on this earth, Father. May we glorify you in all that we do. Thank you for being a good, good God. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen and amen. All right. Muhammad Ali, a three-time world champion, of course, and self-proclaimed Superman, boarded an airplane one time, and as they were about ready to take off, the stewardess came by and said, Mr. Ali, you need to buckle your seatbelt. He looked up and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. So what she said, Superman don't need no airplane either. Put on your seatbelt. <laughs> I don't think that God is looking for a superman or a superwoman. But I do believe with all of my heart that God is looking for individuals that are willing to join Him on a journey. A journey that He came from the heavens to save us, as Mike mentioned in this communion together today. And, and to take us on this journey with Him. What a blessing that truly is. I think oftentimes what we do as Christians, we, we fail to remember that we're on this journey with God, but God allows us to be on that journey. 
And what a good, good God we have to allow us to be on that journey. Give me an amen. 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 And I think that in this, in all of these things that happen, because He is the beginning and the end, He's the Alpha, the Omega. He is all that we need on this journey. And we know that. We come collectively as a, a group of individuals, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, each week, and we celebrate that. But we need to be celebrating that in our lives every day of our lives. Give me another amen. And in that process, God wants us to leave a footprint. On this journey, He's asking, are you leaving a footprint that displays me somewhere in your life that's been lived out? Have you left any footprints lately that others that are following could say, man, that's got to be a Christian. That's got to be a person that's following Jesus Christ. Look at how many have been going this way. They're followers of Jesus Christ. Have you left any footprints lately? I think we can do that, and I believe that if we don't get in too big of a hurry and try to live our lives too fast, you know, we really try to live our lives fast, don't we? You think of these seniors up here. Just a few short, 12 years ago, parents were probably taking them to kindergarten for the very first time. They were crying to get on a bus or crying at school or sticking some crayons up their nose or whatever it was. But here they are now. And they're about to be launched into this big, wide world out there. And they all wanted to get there, but now that they're here, and they're going to soon find out, aren't they? And sometimes we try to live our lives too fast. Even our spiritual lives, we try to live too fast. Heaven awaits us. Give me an amen. But between now and then, God wants us to live a wonderful life, a good life, a blessed life. But he also wants us to display that along the way as we go. And in this, if we don't get too busy, if we... Somebody got ice cream for sale? um, I'll take one. All right. And I believe if we don't get in too big of a hurry, the, the, the benefits that we can see along the way, I don't know all that they're going to be, but I know it's going to be exciting. I have to remind myself that when I get down in life, get news in life, and this happens and that happens, before you know it, man, I just feel this pressure coming in. And sometimes it's just got to go out outside and just uh, shout unto the Lord, as we just say. Shout hallelujah again, because he's not out of control. He's in control. He loves me. The one that's holding that star up there in the Big Dipper, and I looked at it the other night, and I was just looking at it, and I said, God, you hold that, but you hold me. How can you do that? You're God. You're an awesome God, and I praise you for that. I'm glad that you got me in the palm of your hands. I'm glad that you love me. I'm glad that you gave your son just for me. I'm so thankful and so blessed. I want to give you two stories today. We want to talk about these two stories while Jesus was here on earth. They're very elementary stories, and I say that because any third grader that left here today could come in and probably give you some great insight about these two stories. But I think they really make sense. They do to me, and maybe that's where I'm at in my life. It's just a person that's elementary, but that's okay. I still love Jesus, and he still loves me. Amen? First one's found in Luke chapter 9. There's an interesting story here. God is once again about to do something. He's about up to something. Now, remember when you read these stories, we read them because they've already happened. In the midst of these stories being done, they hadn't happened yet. This was something unfolding right before their very eyes. So something was about to happen. I don't know exactly what it was. Maybe the disciples thought to themselves, don't know exactly what it's going to be, but they knew something was about to happen. Have you ever heard that before in your life? 
I don't know what it is, but God's up to something. Something's about to happen. I just got that feeling. Anybody? God's up to something. God's up to something in your life right now. Did you know that? God's just waiting to display something to come out that He can be glorified in in your life. I believe that with all my heart. Now someone says, well, it's, that's all feelings. Feelings aren't important. Feelings are important because God gave us feelings. They, they drive us. Our feelings do drive us. And when we love something that is right, which is God, there's going to be a good, good feeling inside. Give me an amen. amen. So there is something about feelings. When you sing the songs, isn't there something about the feeling of singing out to the Lord, singing hallelujah to the Lord? It's powerful stuff, I think. And I know that we are not to go too much on our feelings, and I know we're to watch those as we move along, but they are part of our makeup because God has given that. So think about this. Here are the disciples in Luke 9. Here they are, and they tell Jesus, we don't have any food. They tell Jesus, we don't have any food, so you need to send these people on back home because it's about dinner time. They've been here long enough. We know they're hungry. They've been complaining about it, or we've heard it in some, maybe around, or maybe we're hungry, and they need to go away so we can go get something to eat too because we certainly don't want to give them our picnic basket. But nonetheless, Jesus says, no, just have them sit down. When Jesus told his disciples, if you don't run too fast, when Jesus told his disciples to have them just sit down into groups of about 50, I wonder what the disciples thought. Did you ever think what the disciples thought? I think they may have first thought this. I don't know what in the world he's doing, but I've been around this guy long enough. Something's about to happen. Let's read it again. Just takes a minute. It says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them and with him, and they withdrew from the, to themselves to a town called Bethesda. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those that needed healing. Stop. Did you see that? You remember last week when we talked about the woman that was caught in adultery and he, the, the Pharisees brought her before Jesus in the crowd? But if you remember that, I talked about that just before because it says the crowd came early in the morning. It's like a conference going on. The speaker's about to speak. Everybody doesn't show up at the same time. People get here real early, just like at church. I know, some of you, you come in real early and get a good seat. Some of you come in... A little bit later, a little bit later, a little bit later. But notice what Jesus does. It says here, Jesus welcomed them. You imagine now, he's the conference speaker that day, and he's welcoming you. Good morning, how you doing? Are you okay? Ma'am, you need to sit right up here. Here's a good seat for you. Did you have a good breakfast this morning? I hope that you did. Anybody bring any coffee? Who brought the donuts? Something went on because the scripture says he welcomed them. So now they all gather in there, but notice also what it says he does. He healed them. Did you catch that? Those that needed healing. As he walked by in that crowd that morning, perhaps he said, How you doing, David? You're going to be just fine. And as he goes by, this person already knows they're healed. Did you imagine that? And he comes by and he touches another. I know you've been having trouble with your sight lately, but you're going to be okay. Jesus healed the people. Jesus welcomed the people. 
So if you run too fast, you get to the other part of the story. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to pause. Now watch what happens. Late that afternoon, now they've been there a long time. This guy's a great speaker. If a guy's a great speaker, you like to stay there a long time, don't you? That's why we only get 20 minutes with me. <laughs> Late that afternoon, the 12 came up to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. Sounds like Oklahoma some places, right? He replied, you give them something to eat. I love that in this process. Could you see in this process that all of this is taking place? Their answer was what? We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. That's all we got. That's okay. Have them sit down. And have them sit down in about 50 to a group. Now the scripture tells us there's 500 men there, so they didn't count the women and the children, but let's just say it's only 5,000. But now let's just simply say that we add another 3, 4, 5, 6,000 individuals. So now we're up to perhaps as many as 10,000 people that were there. And Jesus says, set them down in crowds of 50. Now that takes time in and of itself. Come over here. No, you sit here. This is group over here. These folks just sit down there. You know what surprises me in this, and, and we run through this, did you ever think of, and, and of course we know what happens in the story, what, what was it, was it baked fish, fried fish, or was it sushi? Man, he's, did you ever think about that? Did you ever think, was it baked bread or fried bread? But, but you never thought about that, did you? He just grabbed the fish and started gnawing on it. Things flipping all over the place. I don't like sushi. I told the man he's at earlier. I don't. I'd have to be real hungry. But could you see Peter telling, perhaps, this is going to be exciting. Maybe talking to John and saying, this is going to be exciting. Wonderful. What's he guy going to do? Is you think he's going to, because nothing's happened yet. Do you think they're going to, you think he's going to try to, I don't know, but there's a whole lot of people here. And I just got a feeling something's about to happen. Now, I feel confident Peter and John and the other disciples that were there that day, I don't know exactly all who were there, and, um, but I'm pretty confident they, they, they knew all the old stories. They knew the stories of the Old Testament. Old Testament hadn't been written yet, but they had been passed down from generation to generation, don't you think? Sure they had. They knew the stories. They knew that God opened the sky and the flood came down and the boat went up and Noah and his wife and his three sons, their three sons and their wives, eight and all, were saved from the flood. They knew that story. Did they not know the story that Moses, that God had parted the Red Sea and let the Israelites go through and the Egyptians were engulfed in the water? Sure, they knew the story. They knew the story of the, the, the Jericho thing. Da -da -da -da, and the walls came falling in. They knew the story. They knew that Jonah took a whale of a ride and God allowed that to happen and took place. That wasn't just a make-believe story, a bedtime story. It was actually happened in all of that. But this was their time. This was their time to witness God at work right in front of them, right in front of their very eyes. They were about to see a miracle right before their eyes, and they had no clue, but they knew something big was about to happen. Jesus could have just sent, said, your bellies are full. 
And everybody would have said, man, I feel full. Turkey dinner already. But he didn't. He was teaching a message through the whole thing, not only to the people but to his disciples, but also for us. For us. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be big. And then it says that Jesus prayed over the bread and the fish. And again, you know the rest of the story. They picked up 12 basketfuls. And I love that fact. Pick up 12 basketfuls. If all 12 were there, could you imagine? All 12 had to strap on a backpack full of fish and bread. Why? Got my little basket. Why? Perhaps just a reminder as they traveled on from there. Who's this guy that we're dealing with? It's a reminder of what did he do? I'll never forget. Sometimes we just need to pause. Could you imagine Peter and John cleaning it up, though, the 12 basketfuls? And the other ones, after saying, I told you. I told you something was going to happen. Can you believe that? Look at how much is left over. This is a big deal. I've never seen anything like this in my life because they had never seen anything like that in their life going to be big it was their time to watch it was their time to be a part of something big what's that got to do with us we're not quite there yet i got to tell you the second story you remember a few weeks ago i talked to you about john chapter 2 and this was a story about jesus and and mary his mother at a wedding that's a very special story of course it's the first miracle Jesus ever performs. But in this particular story they, that I, I told you a few weeks ago, I just shared with you is, remember, I said, when she leaned over and told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. That's what we emphasized in that message. I want to give you a little bit more of that today because I think it fits with what I want to talk about. So here is the first miracle that takes place. And while he was there with his mother at this wedding, Jesus, the hostess ran out of wine. Now, Mary and Jesus must have knew this family, or at least from the community, something was brought them there. Now, keep in mind, weddings there in that part of the world, and it's custom certainly back then, were not a four-hour event. They were three days or a week and even longer that they would celebrate. But it says the hostess ran out of wine. Ran out of wine. Why? What happened there? One of two things I think may have happened. Number one is more people showed up than was expected. Ever, ever, ever get in a situation like that? You know, you, pick, you fixed five hamburgers and 22 people showed up. Anybody been there? Break out the peanut butter. Or in the Manning's case, sushi. All right. But nonetheless, that's what happens. So it could have been that too many people showed up. Or it could have been <laughs> there were some pretty good drinkers, if you know what I'm talking about there. So in that process, nonetheless, they run out of this wine. And the Mary, the mother of Jesus, has compassion. Does that surprise you? She's embarrassed for the hostess. Oh my, they're about out of wine. La ladies, you know this better than men do. You notice when things are getting low. You notice when that's taking place. You notice, well, we got to do something here. Go get some chicken somewhere. I don't know where. we got to get something. we got to do something because you know it's getting real low. And Mary noticed that. She had compassion. Does that surprise you about Mary? Not me. God had found favor in her. She's compassionate. She's loving, nurturing even at a friend's wedding. And so in this wedding, 
she leans over to Jesus and she says, son, can you, can you help us out here at all? Now, I don't know that any other miracle, there's no other miracle recorded up to this point. Perhaps something happened in the woodshed there where he's making some toys or something. But I don't know, but I do know this. Mary had confidence in her son. And son, can you take care of this? This kind of embarrassing moment for Susie over here. Mom, it's really not my time. What does Jesus do? It's like all of us do. Mamas know best. And we love mamas. Okay, mom. This is when she comes in and she says to the servants, I don't know what he's going to tell you to do, but do it because something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. She had no clue what he was going to do. It could have been, party's over, everybody go home. Nope, not in this case. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, tells the servant, do what he, do what he tells you to do because something is about to happen. Now keep in mind about the servants because we have another group. The servants that are called to do what Jesus tells them to do. Now, it tells us in the story, as you're looking there on the screen, it tells us that there were six of these cylinders. These cylinders are anywhere from 25 to 30 gallons, so there's six of them. So now we got about 150 gallons of water about to be put in them. And water's about to be put in them. But think about the servants, if you would, please. I think that in this process, could you imagine what they were thinking? We're here at this wedding, and we're, we've run out of wine. We know that. We're the servants. I can't make wine. Can you make wine? I can't make wine. So what are we going to do? We're out of wine, and this guy here can only come up with, give them some water. Now, if you were one of the servants, what would you think? Does this guy think that these people are so drunk that they can't tell the difference between water and wine? Think about that. But they do it. And it says they fill it to the brim there. What does he think he's doing here? But the key is they do it. And again, you know the rest of the story. It wasn't just good wine. Magnifico. It was great wine. It was the best. Who, draw some and take it to the master of the banquet. He takes it over. He tastes it. And he says, man, this is good stuff. But this isn't right. We always give out the best first. And when people have had too much to drink, they won't know the difference. But now you save the best for last. That includes us. Did you know that? Yeah. Best for last. My, my. Mary must have thought to herself when this all took place. Can you imagine what Mary's doing in this? She is excited. She might have been a little worried when they poured water in there. See, we read it as though we already know. Mary knew. Mary knew he was going to take care of something, but she didn't know what. And now, can you imagine, after it's the best of wine, maybe she has a glass for herself, and she looks at her boy. That's my boy. I just love this kid. He's my favorite. Don't tell my other ones. Parents, you have favorites? You never tell your kids, do you? All right, here we go. What does that have to do with us? Let's bring it to us. In the past 26 years, next month will be 26 years, Don and I were allowed to come and be a part of this family here. And in that 26 years, I have seen, we have seen, witness God's move in a mighty, mighty way among us. 
it astounds me of all the stories that I can tell. If I ever get called to preach anywhere else, I got stories to tell about you. And most of them are pretty good. Except for that one about Jeff. And, no, no, anyway, just kidding. But he has done some mighty things among us, has he not? Give me an amen. Feel free to say amen anytime you want. It didn't bother me a bit. Thank you. When we first came here, we didn't know. We had no clue. I, I want to just be honest with you. I had no clue what I was doing. It was a God thing, 100%. Not 99.9%. I just showed up and God said, okay, let this little guy be in here. And all of you were gracious. And I know some of you thought in a month, he's out of here. Ha, ha, ha. But let me tell you, I just felt when I sat in that office and Ira Finley brought me my chair. I still have his chair. I've had this chair for 26 years. Elders have asked me, come on, it's stained up. It's, it's a cloth chair. It's just, you know, you'd think a, a big preacher like me would have a nice leather chair. Not mine. Ira Finley gave it to me, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I've sat in that office many times and thought about him when I sat in that chair and just kind of pinched myself. But I don't want to tell you one thing. I always sit in that chair and I always think of how good God is, how big God is, what the big things God has planned for us next. Don't know what it is, but I got that feeling. And it excites me. It excites me greatly. I have seen people that were so far gone from the world into the world that no one ever thought that it was possible for them to come to the Lord. But I've seen them give their life to Jesus Christ. I've seen people that have been away from the God's family and the church family for way too long, year after year after year, times year after year, and I've seen them come back through those doors with love, God's love, Welcome home. I have seen prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer over and over again come to pass. The great blessings. Oh yes, way too many have gone. Way too many are now in heaven. But they're in their reward right now. And they're saying, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. It's real. Something's about to happen. I have seen marriages that have been broken, been restored, broken lives, been restored in, in, in multiple ways. We have seen him uh, bring us great leaders into this congregation, wonderful children's minister and a youth minister that teach our children. We have seen teachers and volunteers that have brought great blessings to us during our vacation Bible school and, and fall fest and all the other times. The teachers, all the teachers on Wednesday night that show up and give that, that time to do that or on Sunday mornings to teach your, your children, our children, our grandchildren and to teach that and how they've touched the lives of individuals. Don't think that it's gone unnoticed. Don't think that God hasn't seen that. And don't think that you're not making a difference because you are making a big difference. And I am so proud of you. So what's next for us? I believe that the Lord is about to do something big. How do I know that? Because He's God. He's always up to something big. Always. Always up to something big. In those 26 years together, I've seen the elders challenge us time and time again with different projects, mission projects or building projects, and how it is how God has blessed each one of us to be able to reach in those pockets of ours and pull out and see how much God has blessed us, and we've poured that out, and we've been able to accomplish great things because of your generosity, but because of God's goodness. 
in our lives. Something's about to happen, don't know what it is, but it feels like it's going to be a good thing. I don't know all the things that he has planned for us in the future, but something is about to happen. Don't you want to be a part of it? That's a simple question. Don't you want to be a part of it? Well, I'm just going to think about it. Don't know where you're going to do, but I might be there, might not be there. I got an uncle that talks just like that, I promise you. And he's okay with it. John chapter 2, let's go back to the two stories real quick and then sum it up. See what you think today. In John chapter 2, Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. That's key right there. They filled it to the brim. Then he told them, now draw and take it to the master. And they did so. They did so. Down in verse number 11, it says, What Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. Now watch this. And his disciples believed in him. I find that very interesting that that's added to that sentence. And his disciples believed in him. You think? Huh? I think they had a taste test of them for themselves and they discovered the goodness of God and what God could do that they knew they could not do. They discovered it. Those servants, those disciples, great stories. They had great stories to tell in the future. And I'm sure that they told them. I'm sure that they shared them with their families. I'm sure they shared it with their loved ones. I'm sure they shared it with other weddings and other parties and other get-togethers that they had. I'm sure they shared those stories. You remember that time. You remember when God did this. You remember I saw it firsthand. I held those loaves in my hand. And I know there were only two of this and only five of that. And I saw God just display it. Goodness. Powerful. Stories they had to tell. But my friend, we have great stories as well and we need to be about telling them. We need to be about telling them. How about you? Have you taken a taste test lately and discovered who he is and how good he is? And it says, and his disciples believed in him. I don't want to run past that too quick. The disciples believed in him. Can you tell me, listen, this is a good question for you in our our class or Bible study, Um, Jeff. Here's a good one. Can you tell me something that God has done in your life that has caused you to believe in Him? Something that God has done in your life that has caused you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I believe, I believe, I believe in Him. All Christians, all children of God should have something that has caused them to believe in Him. You see, sometimes I think we just need, again, to stop the car on our journey and just ask ourselves, what have we seen lately? What have we experienced lately in the goodness of God? And I want to tell you, I have have seen the goodness of God through each single one of you that are here today. Every single one of you, you young teenagers, you young families, the retired ones, the ones hoping they're retiring quickly, all your teachers, all your farmers, all your ranchers, all you who are bankers, whatever you are, throw even the lawyers in there. I am so thankful. I'm just kidding. Thankful 
for you. Thankful for what God has done through you. Luke chapter 9, we're almost finished. It's about the 5,000 men were fed there. Remember that? I'm just going to read the first part. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in the groups of 50. The disciples did so. The disciples did so. I want you to notice two things as we close out here today that hopefully encourage you as you leave this place. Number one, they did what they were told to do. Both of them. Both groups. They did what they were told to do. That is key in your life to receive from God. Did you know that? The key in your life to receive from God, something from God, is to do exactly what He tells you to do. You've heard me say it many times. This is the Word of God. It's not part truth, a little truth, here and there truth. It's all truth from cover to cover, book to book, chapter to chapter, verse to verse, word to word. It is the truth. Here's the deal. Read the book. Read the truth. When it tells you to do something that you haven't done, just do it. If it tells you to stop doing something that you're doing, stop doing it. And you'll live a good life because God's promises are found in this book. His truth is found in this book. His blessings are found in this book. And God wants to give them, impart them to you. Do what he says to do is key. That is a good piece of advice for all of these young seniors up here today, but for every single one of us in the room. I cannot stress it enough. God is continually calling us to do great things, great things in his kingdom. We have to evaluate ourselves and find out what those things are. And if we're not giving him glory, we need to move to something else. Because God should get all the glory. This is where faith comes in. Hebrews 11. It's, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I don't know exactly what that good thing that God is going to deliver to us, but I know it's out there. Give me an amen. Why? Because God is God. That's why. That's why. Number two, they received more than they needed. And it was the best I love that, my, my God. They received more than they needed, and it was the best. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, you know when Jesus gave his blood for us, let me tell you what, he gave the best, more than we needed. It was for everyone, not just for you. His blood was shed for everyone to include you. More than enough, more than enough for us. And it was the best. God only holds the best for us. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't care what trials you go through as a family unit. I believe that God holds only the best for us. And if we will just open our eyes and look up to the mountains, we'll see. Philippians 4 says, And my God will meet all your needs, not some of your needs, every once in a while, every now and then, if you're lucky, if you hit the lottery, whatever. No, all your needs according to riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. God is rich, and he wants to display it and give it to his children, just like any good parent, because he loves us. Now, one last thing. Today, because if you don't bring it home, it doesn't change anything in your life. You'll go home and say, well, good for the people. They got a belly full. Today can be your day that something happens. Something happens today that can be your water turned into wine. It can be your hunger taken care of today. 
The great thing is Jesus wants to do that and Jesus wants to be involved in that great thing in your life. I find that fascinating. If you are not a child of God, listen closely. If you are not a child of God and you would like to become one, if you will do what he says to do, you can receive more than you can imagine. For it's a thing called eternal life. Confess your sins. Repent. Confess. Announce that He is the Lord of your life. Experience a new birth. Be indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And watch what God can do for your life. If you are a child of God, listen closely. If you are a child of God, a child of His, He is still our God. He is still your God. And still has great plans for you. Maybe you just needed to stop on the journey and pause for a moment and have someone tell you that. God is so good to me. Whatever your need is, we sing this song just for you. Don't hesitate. If God's laid it on your heart, just move. We're here to pray with you. We're not here to judge you. We're here to love on you. We're on this journey together and something's good about to happen. Let's believe that together as a family. If you need to respond, you come together as we stand and sing.